Another episode of Video Game, the Movie, the Podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Maxie. And this month we are covering Mortal Kombat 1995. Uh, uh so how you doing this this month? Uh, I've been alright. It's finally cooling down, fall's finally hitting, which I have been waiting for for quite a while. Been spending some time with my significant others, my friends, working a lot on music, so that's all pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, uh, things are finally starting to cool down now. It took a couple days. Uh, ooh, I... I can't really think of anything I've been up to. I got a... My uncle gave me an impromptu driving lesson on the way home from a, uh... A moving stuff for a relative. Uh, it was fun. It was scary. Well, mostly it was scary, but I think I learned a lot from it, question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, drove on a highway for a first for the first time. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, so I'm really deciding whether we go with what games we've been playing the past month or go straight into news, because, oh boy, do we have some news. I mean, the only game that I've played in the past month that I feel like talking about is Deltarune Chapter 2, and I don't Mm want to make this a Deltarune podcast. Right. I'm uh, playing some Get in the Car Loser as well. That's pretty good so far. Oh, yeah. I really, I got, mean, I, I really got to take it in bite-sized chunks, though. I don't know why. That's just the vibe for me. Yeah, I get you. Uh, yeah, I I guess I'll real quick go over... Uh, let's see, I played through Button City. That's a real good game. Check it out. Uh, also, Deltarune Chapter 2. Uh, finished Psychonauts 2. Uh, and I, uh, uh, played and beat Yakuza 4, and I'm, like, a quarter of the way into Yakuza 5. Oh, yeah, you're cruising through those, huh? Yeah. I, I, Yakuza, for me, for some reason, it's, it, it tends to be something I either go all in on or put off for several months. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. Yakuza 5, I went on all in on for a while, but now I'm slowing down a bit, so... Uh, but anyways. We've got one very important piece of news. Uh, recently, in a Nintendo Direct, uh, we learned some vital information about the Illumination Super Mario Brothers movie that's been in development oh my for fucking however many. god! Oh my god! 
So, first of all, the movie is set to release on December 21st, 2022. Uh, and we got... Are an all-star cast for this one. Uh, first up, Mario as Chris Pratt. Or Yay. Chris Pratt as Mario. I Everyone's... love... I love... I Every... love funny Chris Pratt. He's in the gift sets. Yeah. He, he gets... I love it when people uh, respond to my gifts with a picture of a notorious uh, uh, super Christian megachurch guy. Uh, we've got Charlie Day as Luigi. Now that listen, yeah, that one rules. I love that one. Mm-hmm. When, when I see Chris Pratt, I boo. But when I see Charlie Day, I do clap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Anya Taylor Joy as Peach. Uh, Never heard of her in my I look, life. I looked into her stuff. Uh, she's not in too much stuff, but she was it. Tomasin in The Vavitch. Uh, let's see. Jack Black as Bowser. Correct. Uh, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Uh, that, I think that's, if Chris Pratt as Mario wasn't here, I think that would be the funniest. Uh, we've got Keegan-Michael K of K and Peel as Toad. Uh, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek. And Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike. And specifically Spike as in the, the foreman from Wrecking Crew. Uh, just a lot of A-list, a lot of A-listers, some of whom have done voice acting on this one. Uh, I'm I'm still surprised that Kamek is even going to be in it. Mm-hmm. It it makes me wonder what the plot is if we've got Donkey Kong, Bowser, and Kamek, and uh, the guy from Wrecking Crew in this. Uh, is it gonna be like an origin story? Is it what is? I gonna really go? hope not. Mm. Yeah. Uh, nobody, nobody needs an origin story for the Mario Brothers. I'm always getting this shit. Maxie, they should bring back the backstory where they're from Brooklyn. Maxie, I want to see Mario in New Donk City. Maxie, this, Max. People are always coming to me. They're talking about how they want backstory for Mario. I don't get it. He's a guy and he jumps. Mario jump and that's all you need to know. When he um, was a tiny baby boy, Yoshi was his friend. And now Yoshi is still his friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, as far as I know, the most important video game movie news to go over. Uh, so, why don't we get into, uh, Mortal Kombat 1995? Uh, some background information. Uh, this was, the original talks for this movie were, like, Pretty early on, like, when the original arcade game was, like, out, the second game was still being developed, and, like, I don't, I don't even know if Mortal Kombat 1 had, like, a console release at the time. Uh, uh, the, they got, uh, 
Movie producer... So... Uh, Lawrence Kasanoff direct, or was the producer for this. He talked about it with uh, the Midway Games guys early on. Uh, the director they chose is Paul W.S. Anderson. And Paul W.S. Anderson is an important name we're going to come to know as we go through more video game movies, because not only did he direct Mortal Kombat 1995, he would also go on to uh, make films based on the Resident Evil series. Uh, am I reading? Okay. Uh, and Monster Hunter. Oh, and Dead or Alive. Uh, now, um... there was a name you mentioned that stood out to me, mm-hmm. which was... I want to say it was Lawrence Kasanoff. Yes, he produced yeah. this movie, didn't he? Yes. Uh, he's he's produced a few movies. He produced the new Mortal Kombat movie as well. Mm-hmm. So he's getting like actual work. Yeah. Which is interesting to me because he also produced Food Fight. Wait, what? Charlie Sheen. Yeah. No, it's that oh. Lawrence Kasanoff. Oh my god. Uh, he's also producing Untitled Tetris Sci-Fi Project, which may or may not still exist. The okay. last time I heard any news about this was, like, several years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of his things. Uh, he's got uh, Bionicle, The Legend Reborn, uh, Beowulf 1999. Uh, let's see. The... Chud to Bud the Chud, but as far as I can tell, not the original Chud. Everybody's uh, got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Who boy. Uh, let's see. Uh, they built a $1 million animatronic of Goro for this film. It took 16, 13 to 16 puppeteers. Uh... It broke down. You could only do- use it for like two minutes because the person operating from the inside only had so much air. I uh, gotta ask. Mm-hmm. It feels like every movie that had an animatronic in it, the animatronic was super fucked up. Mm-hmm. So at some point it's like, why did we bother? You know, I I guess that's why they use CG these days. It's uh, it's has to be at least part of the reason. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of stuff like CGI has improved. It I think it's like cheaper a lot of the time because there aren't good unions or labor protections there. But like, it does seem like more reliable if nothing else. Because mm-hmm. I know Jaws, the shark was always fucking up. Jurassic Park, the T Rex was always fucking up. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. The animatronics in Jaws and Jurassic Park at least look good. Goro in this... Sorry, there's a car. The most I can say about Goro is that he doesn't look as bad as a reptile. <laughs> oh, yeah, reptile. Oh, oh boy, yeah. Uh... Yoshi could kick this motherfucker's ass. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about... Canon Yoshi or Super Mario Brothers the movie Yoshi. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I I'm going to have to talk about Reptile but uh for now uh so 
uh, filming were included like uh, a, the, an abandoned steel mill in Fontana, California, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, a lot of outdoor scenes were done in Thailand. Uh, apparently, you had to like they had to go on like canoe style boats to like get to like the the sets the locations in Thailand. Uh, uh, there was, like, a lot of ad-libbing in the dialogue, and it, it makes sense. There's definitely, like, lines in there that are very quippy that, that feel like they were ad-libbed in. Uh, they, the movie got a PG-13 rating, but in order to keep that PG-13 rating, there were, like, extensive talks with the ratings board to get the exact amount of like violence that could be allowed in a, with a PG thirteen rating. That fucking owns. That's like the exact opposite of whatever the hell they were doing with Street Fighter, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Like that. On the one hand, that's so just like we need to maximize our market share without compromising the artistic vision or whatever. But mm-hmm. also, I ca- listen. I respect the hustle. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think when I read about that, I thought like how Night in the Woods has a T rating and it turns out like you can get away with a lot with that. You just can't say fuck. Is uh, that why they always say effed? I yeah. thought that was just like a bit. Yeah, they they just couldn't say fuck. So they had to change it to effing. Uh, uh, let's see. I, from what I can tell, like, let's see, it did okay, like, financially. It was the number one for the weekend. Uh, it got a sequel. It did get a sequel. And a reboot many years later. Uh, many years being last year, or this year, sorry, 2021. Uh, there's, uh, I know, from what I can tell, it's been, like, referenced a bunch in, like, the games and stuff, because from what I can tell, the Mortal Kombat series is just, like, really loves that sort of thing. Uh, there are, like, DLC skins for, uh, I think Raiden, Johnny Cage, and Sonya, based on their movie likenesses. Uh, and, uh, let's see, I, oh, and of course it, uh, didn't do so well, like, critically, of course. But it is a bit of a cult classic. And honestly, I think, personally, I think this one's up there with the Mario movie. Uh, uh, so, let's get into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Opening up my notes. So, we open with a... Uh, scene of these two guys fighting there's a man in red and a man in a coat Mm -hmm. uh uh the man in red is very easily defeated and the man in the coat points directly at the camera and says your brother's soul is mine you will be next oh i also forgot to mention it did open with uh the mortal Kombat theme they like using that in this movie and power to them they make a lot of references to the source material. Like, 
direct obvious references. Sometimes it's a little much, but I do respect that they were like thinking about the source material. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, yeah, I. So many of the movies we've watched so mm-hmm. far, we have we've only watched a few really, but pretty much all of them, but Super Mario Brothers have been excruciatingly slow. And just from the jump, something I respect about this movie is that it does not feel the need to trudge along. Right. It it gets you into it, it gets to the point of the scene, it moves on. Mm-hmm. I really like the set dressing too. Yeah. Both in terms of like the more fantastic settings, but also even just Liu Kang's um like room after he wakes up, it feels lived in. Like yeah. there's not a huge amount of clutter, but there's enough clutter that it feels like a space that a person is in rather than just a set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, speaking of... Oh, I did also want to say about the Mortal Kombat theme, which they use a bunch in this. I I also think that is, like, surprising. Like, not a lot of the movies we've gone through actually, like, use the uh, music from the games. Granted... The Mortal Kombat theme, I think it's just the one song. I don't know if there's, like, any ambient background tracks that are used or anything like that, but... it, re- I really think... I, it's free music. You got it right there. Yeah, just use it. Yeah. Uh, so, Liu Kang wakes up from this nightmare. Uh, he gets a letter, and much like Baby Shoes... Uh, never worn. He his letter reads, "Brother dead, return home, Grandpa." Uh, we then cut to what appears to be a two-person police raid. Uh, mm-hmm. these like SWAT SWAT armored up uh uh cops uh Jackson Sonia are trying to uh get this guy named Kano. Uh mm-hmm. they're like going through this like like really hectic uh like mosh pit. I think they mm-hmm. knock a few people out for no reason cuz they're cops. I mean, they're just kind of shoving their way through and if anybody gets in their way, they're just moshing but using the butt of their rifles. Yeah. Or shotguns or whatever. Mhm. Uh they Ka- they find their guy. Uh well, they they find like a henchman. Yeah. Kano and Shang Tsung, who is the jacket guy, are just sort of watching from an office. And Kano's like, "Ah, I, I killed Sonya's old partner just to get her attention for you." And Shang Tsung is all, "Yeah, no, okay, now get her on my boat." Mm-hmm. And then Kano just fucks off. Yeah. And the minion they end up interrogating presumably tells them where to go, but that's all part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I also say? Yeah. Better than Street Fighter? Definitely. Why like, I repeatedly thought throughout this film, oh my god, this is so much better than Street Fighter. What, what really struck me is there is one scene in this movie with any kind of gunplay, and this is it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it has... Wait, she shoots a guy, and, like, there is impact... And then we move towards the next plot point. Like, we don't spend a half hour watching machine guns cause shit to blow up without anything actually happening. Right. Like, 
I'm thinking, like, Paul W.S. Anderson, for all his flaws, for all his flaws, does know how to make some good action scenes. Uh, uh, so, we then cut to Los Angeles, where, uh, some men in suits, uh, are duking it out in a fight. And I really love this scene. Yeah. It, it's Johnny Cage's intro. Basically, the mm-hmm. bit is that he is filming a scene within a movie within yeah. the movie we're watching. And I feel like it does a good job of suggesting that even before it makes clear that's what's going on. Because the fight feels a lot more choreographed than what we were seeing with Sonya or some of the later fights in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the later fights in the film. Um, and you know, he, he's got these cheesy Hollywood one-liners and it does a, I think it does an effective job of sort of creating an elevated state as it were Mm -hmm. without just leaning on like everybody giving really stilted performances or anything like that. Yeah. Like, like you, like the, the final giveaway is like at the end of this like fight, the, uh. Guy he's fighting against, like, fails to do a pratfall, and they just sort of, like, cut to the... They they cut the scene, and... Yeah, and Johnny just storms off in a huff. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he's there, uh, he has, like, this argument with the director guy. Uh, is, is this guy supposed to look like Steven Spielberg? I, I don't... don't know if he's supposed to. He definitely does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got that sort of director get-up. Uh, and then he comes across, like, this guy who's in his chair. But it's, but this guy's, like, his, his old, like, I guess he's his training mentor or master. That seems to be what's going on. Yeah. And, like, a huge problem for Johnny Cage right now is the media has got, the media is saying that he's a faker. Like he doesn't do his stunts. He he isn't real. In terms he didn't he didn't really study martial arts or whatever. He's yeah. just a pretty face. Yeah. So he, he can't have that, or he's gonna become Steven Seagal and just end up acting straight to DVD forever for the rest mm-hmm. of his life. And then eventually he'll be like, I can escape any chokehold, and he'll end up like like pissing his pants. Right. Uh. So his uh old mentor. Uh, tells him about a tournament. The tournament. This fighting tournament only happens once a generation. It's world changing. And you, in order to get there, you have to get on a boat to Hong, in Hong Kong on Pier 40. Uh, and I guess he like gives some instructions or something, but like Johnny leaves. And as he leaves, we, th- we see, this guy transform into Shang Tsung. Uh, I do, I do appreciate like this whole like opening section of scenes, just like setting up like these are the main characters. Here's the things that are, that are cool about them. Uh, and uh, we then cut to what appears to be Thailand, some sort of monastery in Thailand. Yeah, that's the the Temple of Light where Liu Kang mm-hmm. evidently trained. His grandfather lives there as a monk. Uh, his brother yeah. was there. And they get into 
basically an argument about the importance of the upcoming tournament. Lou is... He doesn't believe in the teachings of the Temple anymore. He doesn't believe that the fate of the world can be determined by a simple contest. But he ends up agreeing to represent the Temple anyway because he wants revenge. Yeah. Uh, During this scene, we run into Lord Raiden, uh, the god of thunder and lightning, protector of Earthrealm. I do think it's kind of a weird pull to make... This god who seems to be mostly worshipped by, like, uh, East Asian monks. They did make him a white guy. It I just is feel- weird. Like, he doesn't do a bad job, mm-hmm. but it does It does feel strange. Yeah. Uh, like, I understand wanting to change his costume from the uh, fairly simplistic one he has in the games, but... I don't know. They should have just cast an Asian actor. Not that hard. I mean, they they cast several in this movie. They yeah. could have found another one. Yeah. Uh, so like, Ra- Raiden is like, is like walking up in like this uh, these like robes, and like Liu Kang just assumes he's like a beggar. Uh, but everyone knows this guy's Raiden. Yeah, and Raiden's like, eh, uh, if I'm a beggar, then you can just kick my ass, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he just throws Lou to the ground. Yeah, it's great. Uh, uh, so, uh, we cut to uh, the pier in Hong Kong. Uh, Everything on this pier is emitting showers of sparks. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's a boat. Emitting showers of sparks. There's like a telephone pole emitting showers of sparks. There is a guy actively welding. <laughs> like, is this a? I can't tell if this part's a bit or not. This is the welding district. Uh. Also, I'll tell you what is a bit and what's really good. Uh, first, even here, Johnny Cage is getting fucked by the tabloids. Mm-hmm. Like, and then. <laughs> And then he sees Liu Kang and Johnny Cage racist moments, assumes he's a porter, and, like, tries to pay him to take his luggage on board. And what Liu Kang does in response is he just takes the luggage and tosses it into the bay. Yeah. Uh, I I appreciate this because, like, and you see this with the next couple scenes, too. They establish a strong dynamic between all three of these characters really quickly. Mm-hmm. And, like, they do stuff with that dynamic. Yeah, we also get to see Art Lean, who knows Johnny's the real deal. Who the fuck is this guy? Why is he in this movie? <laughs> Art, he he shows up in two scenes after this, and in one of them he dies. <sighs> I, I, I fucking love this dude. He's, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh. Sonya and Jax are here, uh, cause they, they know Kano's here. They, like, spot him. Sonya runs off. Jax stays behind. And then the coolest fucking boat in the world shows up. Oh, yes. I love this. It looks, it is, like, this old-ass looking sailing ship. It's got a dragon figurehead built right into the prow. Every sail it has is in absolute tatters. It, like, emerges from this thick fog. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is a ghost ship. Yeah. And it rules. 
Yeah, I fucking love this boat. It's they they call it like trashy and stuff, but it fucking rules. Uh, I wonder how how much effort must have gone into this boat. I it's good. Um, so uh, while so they board the boat. Mm-hmm. And Sonia like, is chasing Kano aboard, and then like you know Johnny and Liu Kang and whatnot are just going on board. Uh, Sonia ends up holding Johnny at gunpoint and demanding information. He tries to put the moves on her, doesn't take. Liu Kang dunks on him again. It's fucking mm-hmm. good. Uh, so like so as Sonia's like trying to chase down Kano, uh, she like runs into Shang Tsung, mm-hmm. uh, and we get to meet, uh. Two ninjas, one in blue, one in yellow. It's Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Uh-huh. They are the deadliest of enemies, and but they are mere slaves under Shang Tsung's power. And yeah, like, they... Sonya, like, tries to threaten Sub-Zero with her gun, and he freezes it. And then, has Scorpion always had, like... Has the harpoon always just been in his hand? I honestly don't know enough about Mortal Kombat to say one way or the other, but... Yeah, there's, he's just got, like, a harpoon that comes out of his hand. It, I thought it was, like, a beak for, for a moment. I think it has a beak. Like, it, it yeah. bites something and bleeds later, so, like... Oh, right, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at pictures of Scorpion right now, mm-hmm. and it does seem like the the harpoon might just come out of his hand. Uh huh, makes sense. He's like a weird demon guy. Uh, so, uh, where was I? Um, so yeah, like while they're showing it off, like, uh, Sonya has like a gun. She's pointing it at Sub Zero. Sub Zero freezes it. Uh, and but before like the real like fighting can begin, Raiden shows up again and. He just sort of, like, blasts them away with, like, ball lightning. Uh, he, they explain, like, they, uh, they can't fight before the tournament begins, and they're still in Earthrealm, so, uh, they can't, like, do anything while Raiden's here. But, once they get on the island where the tournament is, he's got no power. Or at least less power. Uh, no authority, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, like, turns into ball lightning and flies away. Uh, uh, Johnny Cage is not having a good time with this. Like, he was just here for a tournament. He, he just wanted to fight some dudes. He didn't know that this was, like, supernatural shit. Uh-huh. Uh, so, we establish the sort of, like, rules of this tournament. Uh, it's called Mortal Kombat, with a K... Uh, uh, there are various realms throughout, like, the multiverse, and Earth is one of them. And there's also, uh, this other realm called Outworld. Uh, Mm -hmm. Outworld is ruled by an immortal emperor, and they've been fighting, uh, in mortal combats to, like, because in order to, like, travel to and take over Earth, they need to win ten Mortal Kombats. They've won nine so far, and if they win this one, it's gonna be their tenth. Uh, This is just the U.S. election cycle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
so oh and also shang sung is like a sorcerer who like serves under the immortal emperor and he like runs the tournament uh also the only people who can fight in tournaments have to be mortals themselves Mm -hmm. because otherwise it wouldn't be mortal combat would it yeah yeah uh, hey, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. What if Aurora Borealis was like a skull with snakes coming out of its eyes? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, that's what they get to see when they leave Earth Realm and to whatever realm the tournament takes place. It's, it's, I fucking love this. It's, it's cool. Uh, uh, so they go to the island. And, like, they're, like, trying to deal with this. Sonia wants to, like... Sonia is trying to call for backup. Uh, and, like, she's got a walkie-talkie she's trying to call. From... They say, like, the walkie-talkie works fine. The problem is they are in another dimension. And walkie-talkie doesn't have that sort of power. Uh, also, there's, like, this recurring... There's, like, this running bit throughout the next few scenes about how Johnny just has, like, loads and loads of luggage, but he just can't carry it all. There's too much. Uh. Uh. There's. There's also, like, other people in the tournament. It's not just these three. Uh. Uh. They go up these stairs. Like, they go up, like, through all these, like, very scenic, otherworldly vistas. Uh, and when they get to the top, uh, they find this, like, big room full of, like, weird demon statues and a pretty lady underneath a parasol or umbrella, whatever. Uh, she's Princess Katana. She's the adopted daughter of the Emperor. She is the rightful heir to Outworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we get to meet Reptile. Uh, Reptile is a CG monstrosity that it, can... It's like this weird little lizard imp that belongs in a cereal commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You... And I don't know why he's in this movie. Like, I know that Reptile's in the movie because Reptile was in the game. But, like, Jax was in, Jax was in the game and yeah. they just kind of get rid of him not even like a kill him way like he just leaves yeah he just doesn't he get to come do on anything. the boat so like i i think maybe they should have just not had reptile in this movie mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh we need to talk about the banquet oh the banquet yeah so, so th- they have like an introductory banquet for all the fighters but it's, like, interrupted by Shang Tsung's men because he wants to give a demonstration. Mm-hmm. So, a, first off, a bunch of, like, jobbers and also Sub-Zero just start, like, overturning tables to make space and scattering food on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then, it's Sub-Zero at one end and one of the, like, generic war monks at the other. And oh, that one yes. is just... He just, like, attacks the air and makes the most pathetic noise. He's going like, (laughs) And then he does a jump kick, and Sub-Zero just freezes him mid-air so that he explodes when he hits the ground. Mm -hmm. 
And then Shang Tsung says flawless victory, and I clapped when he said it. Yeah, because it's like because it's like in the video game. I, I'm pointing at the screen, and I'm saying that's Mortal Kombat. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. So they also establish like there's a champion, uh, Prince Goro. Uh, he's he's the like outworld champion. He's one. I guess he's supposed to be responsible for winning all of those nine combats. At uh, least some of them. Yeah, at least some of them. Uh, so, uh, they, uh, my next note just says Johnny Cage is horny. Uh, that could refer to any scene in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I know that we get, like, this brief shot of Goro in the shadows, and then we mm-hmm. see the protagonist head deeper into the mountain complex. They're, like, following Shang Tsung, I guess. And they see Kano and Goro dining together. Yeah. Uh, Kano is the fucking most slovenly bastard in the world. (laughs) He is also wasteful. He's, like, taking a bite of this huge chicken haunch and then just, like, tossing it over his shoulder and starting on another one. Mm. Bro, it's all the same meat. (laughs) Yeah. Kano's... Kano's, like, talking about... He's, like, getting drunk. He's talking about this fight he got into a dude where a guy just exploded. Uh, hey, there's a... There is one thing that Shang Tsung says here. Mm-hmm. He he tells Kano not to harm Sonya, only to humiliate her because he has plans for her. Mm. I don't think those plans are ever elaborated on. Y- yeah. Like, he does try and fight her at one point but then she just doesn't mm-hmm. and like that's that seemed more like a fallback plan than what his actual intended scheme was yeah i i i guess they're just trying to make him look like a bad guy kind of a creep uh also we do get to see goro now while kano's talking because we get to see him he's a four-armed monster he's very big uh, he is an animatronic. Uh, we also established, like, he's the general of the armies of Outworld. He's the prince of a subterranean realm called Shokan. Uh, and, like, while they're having this whole discussion, like, saying Sung's like, Yes, this pathetic man, this man may seem pathetic to you. But that is because in Earthrealm, men like him can become wealthy and powerful. Um, Earthrealm is ruled by real pieces of shit. <laughs> Just losers who suck and everybody hates them. <laughs> uh, uh, so, like, at this point, I think, like, Liu Kang's going, trying to, like, find katana because like they say whatever you do don't let her find katana uh uh and they hey they do nothing to stop her by the way (laughs) yeah like she is actively helpful multiple times and they're just like katana quit that (laughs) she's got diplomatic immunity Uh, it is true she does mm -hmm. uh so, like, uh, uh, they're, like, finding, they're looking for Katana, uh, 
Johnny says he can find her because he can sm- he can smell her perfume, but they they don't find her. Uh, no, they do find a random encounter. Yeah, they they are suddenly swarmed by all these dudes, and they get into like a big fight scene while Test Your Might plays. Uh, yeah, big fight scene. They win, and then at the end of it, Raiden is there. He does a slow clap, and he says, Well, now that you've dealt with them, tell me what you're going to do about them. And we see way more dudes with spears this time. Uh, uh, so, they, our protagonists are able to get away because, like, Raiden's got, got lightning powers and he can just, like, blast everyone away. Uh... Uh, he mentions that, like, Shang Tsung might fight in the tournament. He's stronger than Goro. Shang Tsung uh, draws strength from the many warriors he's defeated in battle. Uh, and uh, to fight him is to not fight one man, but a legion. I, I'm trying to remember. I feel like this... Maybe I'm thinking of a different character in Mortal Kombat, but I swear there's... He's got one of those things, like, uh, where he just, like, mirror moves, like, other fighters... I think that's that the, seems possible. I think that's the thing in the games. Uh, any, uh, so, uh, after that, listen. There's just like a bunch of fight scenes, and mm-hmm. I kind of want to skim over a lot of these because yeah. Here's the thing: the action in this movie is competent. It's only sometimes like exceptional. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's like a great martial arts movie or anything. It's fun enough to watch. But there's only so much you can say about just a bunch of fights in a row, yeah. you know? Uh, so first fight, it's Liu Kang versus some guy. Mm-hmm. He he beats up the guy, and then Shang Tsung seals the guy's soul, and he says, fatality, like in the video game. Mm-hmm. And I clap. Yeah. Uh, uh, then it's Kano versus Sonya, and he, like, shows off a cool knife and has this villain line about how it put put a big smile on your partner's face ear to ear yeah he did the joker thing he uh, he did the joker thing and he did it before the joker which you know he's not remembered for it the joker gets all the credit mm-hmm. says a lot about our society yeah uh they fight she like breaks her breaks his neck with her legs uh uh-huh. next fight then it, johnny is just like hanging in the woods he's He's in, like, an apple orchard. Uh, and Scorpion's there. And Scorpion d- does his thing from the game where he says, get over here, and launches a harpoon. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cage, like, runs around it, barely avoids it. And uh, it gets, like, tangled up in the trees, which is mm-hmm. c- pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Uh, he manages to, like, avoid it long enough for the harpoon beak to injure itself. Right. And then Scorpion is like, well, fuck this. I'm teleporting you to hell. Mm-hmm. They warp into the red zone. Uh, there's this great bit where he, where he's like looking around and Scorpion shouts, welcome and punches him in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do some fighting. Uh, I like the set dressing here. Yeah. There's it's like, really cool. It's, like, kind of chaotic. It's just a bunch of wooden platforms and poles and ladders. It looks like something that collapsed but is somehow still staying up, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's like an abandoned workshop or something. Uh, he there's like cool flips. Uh, Scorpion like pulls off his face and you see the skull. He uses it to shoot fire. Johnny Cage like stops it with a shield and then he like slices opium scorpion's skull and he's just barely able to escape and he leaves behind an autograph that says to my greatest fan johnny cage uh <laughs> which another thing from the video game i clapped it's great i mean i would clap even if that wasn't from the video game because that fucking rules yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I, I do like how Scorpion dies by, like, I need to find exactly how it works. I took notes on this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, his whole body catches fire, then his head explodes, and then the rest of him explodes. Right. It's so good. <laughs> I, I, the, the Johnny Cage autograph just tops it all off. I'm so, it's so good. Uh. Then we get the Katana Liu Kang fight, which is basically them just kind of grappling each other while Katana gives him puzzle hints. Yeah. Uh, she says, like, use the element which brings life. Remember my and then words. Liu Kang- <laughs> and then Liu Kang is like, but every element brings life. That's kind of the idea. <laughs> I-, I guess not metal. Maybe metal doesn't. We can forget that. Look out, Liu Kang! A poisonous snake! (laughs) Liu Kang, one of the guards will tell only lies, but the other one will tell only the truth. Liu Kang, if you stand in the circle and press the action button, you will do a jump. Press this again to to jump on pads two and three. Uh, But yeah, they, they do their fun little grapple bit. And J- Shang Tsung then calls off the fight. He says, like, he disapp- he's disappointed. Uh, and then we get Liu Kang versus Sub-Zero. Uh, uh, Sub-Zero, he's got his ice powers. He, he creates a big cold orb that Liu Kang can't get into. But- yeah, it's, it's like a hemisphere of freezing. Yeah. But then there's a bucket yeah. that Raiden brought earlier. <laughs> so Liu Kang flashes back to Katana's hint from five minutes ago. Yeah. He throws the bucket of water into the ice and then the water freezes and it makes a spear and Sub-Zero gets frozen by the spear. Yeah, he gets impaled, then frozen. It's, it's amazing. I, I can't tell whether this part is the stupidest thing in the world or whether it rules. <laughs> He, he did. I think maybe both. He did an adventure game puzzle to beat him. Uh, use bucket on cold. Uh, and uh, now it's sunset, and they establish that now it's time for the real fighting to begin. And we just get this whole sequence of jobber of all the jobber fighters. That also came here, just getting their asses kicked. Just dudes Uh hitting gravel uh, for like 30 seconds straight. But then, one (laughs) fighter can stand up to him for a whole several minutes. Yes! 
It's Art Lean here to save the day, defeat Goro, and win the final combat for Earthrealm. No, no, sorry, he he also dies. He does it just die. takes longer. And Sonya is so upset. She's like, <laughs> "No, not Art." Yeah, he was in two scenes. <laughs> he believed in Johnny. Uh, yeah, Art Lean just jobs so hard to Goro like he he like punches him both fists get grabbed and he's got forearms so he can just punch him some more uh it's it's comical it's a flawless victory too and we get like uh this just reminded me of like dark urkel tribute where shang sung like sucks his soul into his eyes <laughs> mm-hmm uh and uh then we get a scene where oh by the way i was like looking into it there is like a cut scene of them just having a night to mourn artlene's death uh shut the fuck up <laughs> why you don't know him <laughs> mortal Hang on, I really quick want to check the wiki, because from what I understand about Mortal Kombat, I wonder if there's, like, jokes about him in the games or something. Art Lean, Mortal Kombat wiki. Uh, he's in the novel. Uh, no, no, I guess he's just sort of a jobber. There is this really good uh, screenshot here on the wiki of his soul getting sucked out of his eye. Uh... But anyways, uh, so, uh, what Raiden decides to do is he decides to talk to all three main characters and go over their character flaws. Sonya doesn't know how to ask for help. Johnny Cage is, is too, uh, too proud and will rush into any fight carelessly. Liu Kang is too obsessed with revenge. Uh, he fears his destiny, because, like, he ran away from the monastery. Uh, and they're told to face their destiny. Uh, uh, so, then we have, like, J Johnny Cage and Sonya, like, arguing about, like, who gets to, f about, like, Johnny Cage's plan to defeat Goro. Uh, uh, so, Johnny Cage gets to fight, like, uh, Johnny Cage gets to fight Goro, I guess. Um, anyways. Yeah, he, he demands to fight Goro. Yeah. Uh, he goes up to Shang Tsung, I want to fight him. Shang Tsung's like, okay, cool. Raiden arrives and he's all like, dude, what the fuck? And why did you do this? And Johnny's like, this is our tournament. Mine, Sonya, and Liu Kang's, not yours. We need to make these choices. And then as he leaves, Raiden's like, yeah, he, he gets it now. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the best fight in the movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, like, right off the start, Johnny Cage is, like, dramatically taking off his shades. Uh, Goro takes them away from him and crushes them. Uh, 
Johnny does a low blow on Goro, like in the just video. Just punches piece. him right in the nuts. It's so good. Mm. And then he just fucking runs. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, manages to get all the way to a cliff. Uh, and then he just, I guess he sort of knocks him off. Uh, yeah. There's... He, he, like, gets the jump on Goro when he arrives. Yeah. Uh, we get we get a callback to earlier mm-hmm. with his intro scene. Uh, he says, this is where you fall down. Mm-hmm. And then Goro does fall down, and it fucking rules. Yeah. Then, uh, and then we go straight from the best fight scene in the movie to the worst scene in the movie, I think. Yeah, so Shang Tsung is just... He's decided he's going to kidnap Sonya. He's going to make Sonya his challenger. Uh, and, like, I guess they sort of agree to this. Uh, they get absorbed into a CG goop portal, which is going to take them to Outworld. Uh, uh, we establish, like, uh, they're, they're out in the Outworld wastelands, uh, mm-hmm. it's specifically in the Palace of the Emperor. Raiden can't mm-hmm. go there. Uh, Luke Kang and Johnny Cage can. Uh, we also learn, like, she's forced to accept the challenge because... If she doesn't, there's no final combat, and that means Earth forfeits. Uh, well, at least that's what Shang Tsung is going to try to convince her. Yeah. Um, but also, like, according to according to what they say, it sounds like if she doesn't accept the challenge, <laughs> the combat can't begin at all. So they're they're basically trying to intervene mm-hmm. before anything bad can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, because. And this part drives me completely insane. Johnny and Liu Kang, like, before leaving, straight up ask Raiden, hey, is there any chance that Sonya can win this? And he's like, no. Mm-hmm. No, she's fucked. Yeah. Uh... Just does, doesn't feel great for, like, one of two women in the movie. Right. Right. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, they, they, like, go into Outworld, uh, Johnny gives himself, like, some affirmations, uh, he, like, compares Outworld to high school, uh, and then, like, Liu Kang makes him stop because there's someone nearby, and he just, like, goes off, goes off, he, like, He's able to, like, detect and grab Reptile and, like, hit him and stuff. Uh, so what happens next is Reptile, like, possesses a statue and gets a human body, which is a green ninja. Uh, and then they fight. Uh, there's this, at the end of the fight, like, Liu Kang does, like, these bicycle kicks. He, like, kicks Reptile a whole bunch uh, and, like, Reptile's defeated. And turns into a pile of bugs. And I guess, like, the main bug, the controller bug, Liu Kang just crushes under his boot. Uh, This wasn't really, like, an exciting fight. And, mm-hmm. again, like, I feel like Reptile just could have been taken out of this movie. And I feel like they could have given some of the other fights a bit more time. Right, right. Um... You know, it doesn't last too long or anything. It's just not 
anything exciting. Right. We get some exposition from Katana where she talks about how Outworld was also conquered by Chang Sung. She killed her dad, uh, or sorry, he killed her dad, the original emperor, and the immortal emperor took over. And she wants to help because she doesn't want the same fate to befall Earthrealm, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, like, they have to go into, like, the Black Tower. Big Black Tower. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Liu Kang is told he will have to face his an- enemy, face himself, and face his worst fear. Uh, we see, like, Sonya's, like, tied up. Her hair got big while she was in prison. Uh, also, she's extremely in front of a green screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, you can see the fringe. And I don't know why, because I'm pretty sure this is a real set they're in. Sonya and Shang Tsung talk a bit. There's, like, these monks coming in. I guess Shang Tsung's just gonna kill her and when that way uh but her friends are here they were disguised as monks uh they uh so they gotta do the final fight uh Shang Tsung like initially challenges Johnny Cage but Liu Kang wants to change him challenge him instead like we haven't really mentioned it but like this recurring thing that is explained about Liu Kang is he's like the descendant of some mighty warrior named Kung Lao. I don't know if he was like... Mm-hmm. They don't really say what Kung Lao's deal is, just that he's important. Yeah, and like Liu Kang's the chosen one, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So, they fight. Uh, during the first phase, they play the theme from the game. And they fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a bunch of kicks. Uh and the second phase, like, the second phase starts when Liu Kang dr- draws blood. Uh, or, he, he draws blood from Shang Tsung, so he brings out his yeah. real power, which is the souls of all the warriors he has. So, uh, a, a bunch of, like, ghost warriors, like, specifically, like, Earthrealm warriors, there's, like, a samurai and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. they fight against Liu Kang. I like this part because I always like it when an unarmed fighter takes down a dozen dudes with weapons. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, and then the part after that is just kind of stupid. Like, Liu Kang manages to beat all the summons and then he runs up to where Shang Tsung is. Shang Tsung, like, he tries to get inside Liu Kang's head. So first he does the your next thing from his dream with the point again. Mm-hmm. And then he just, like, shapeshifts into Liu Kang's dead brother, and, like, it, it's very obviously Shang Tsung, because he's a sorcerer, and he's he's mm-hmm. standing where Shang Tsung was. He didn't move, even. Yeah. But there there's still this whole, like, part of this scene where, like, Liu Kang is kind of falling for it, but not all the way. And and then, you know, there's there's another bit brief bit of fighting. There's spikes below. Liu Kang wins, knocks Shang Tsung onto the spikes. Then he says flawless victory, like in the game, but I did not clap this time because he definitely took some damage in this yeah. fight, so it was not flawless. It was does, not a flawless is, victory. That is stolen valor. <laughs> yeah. He, he does he does not get a little pee 
underneath his name on the on the HUD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, yeah. Uh, Shang Tsung turns into a skeleton, and, like, all the souls he's taken, like, move on to the next life. And... Uh, Liu Kang gets to have, like, a final meeting with his brother, Chan, uh, and he, like, says that we'll be reunited one day, but I'll always be with you. And he goes into the afterlife. Uh, then they go home. Uh, there's kids celebrating the victory of Earthrealm. Uh, they're all saying, like, Raiden, like, congratulates someone on job well done. But then, the sky gets dark. The, oh no! The the like shadowy figure of the emperor raises, comes out of the clouds and says, "He's come for their souls." And like one of them says, "I don't think so." And then they pose, and that's the end of the movie. Uh. Uh. So. Uh, what sort of rating would you give this? Uh, I, honestly, so my thoughts on this movie are, it is not incredible, but it is workmanlike. It hits the necessary beats, the acting is good, the script writing is snappy, it doesn't waste time, it doesn't fill the movie with a bunch of bullshit. Mm -hmm. So, also I think it does a good job, like, keeping the spirit of the adaptation of the source material rather and throwing in the occasional explicit nod without getting too bogged into it. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, without getting too bogged down in it rather. Um, so as an adaptation, five out of five severed heads. And then as a standalone film, maybe like three or four cool headbands. Right. Uh, I give the, for an adaptation, I give this like 4.5, uh, Mortal Kombat logos. And as a film, I give it, uh... Uh... 3.5 out of 5 film reels. Like, I will say, like... I, I really respect... Like, knowing how much effort they put into, like, making sure... They could get, like, the maximum amount of, like, violence in... Without losing their PG-13 rating. I kind of respect that. I res... Uh... It's it's an enjoyable film. I it's I really love the set design, uh, which I think is another a strength it shares with the Mario Brothers movie. Like it's not as like hyper detailed, but like they they get like a good feel for everything. Uh, the characters are all right. I appreciate that they let them do ad living and stuff. Uh. I feel like they could have, like, expanded a bit more on, like, the whole, uh, uh, chosen one thing with, uh, Liu Kang. It's, they don't really explain who the hell Kung Lao is. I, I can only just sort of, like, infer from what a couple lines say. They don't, it's, I mean, I guess they don't have to explain everything, but, you know, I feel like they could have done a little more establishing that thing. But, Otherwise, solid film. Uh, probably the most enjoyable one we've watched since Super Mario Brothers. 
Uh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, let's go over some questions. Uh, you can send in your questions either... Wait, do we have a two-form thing? Let me make sure. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, you can either send in your questions in response to our uh, Twitter ask post that we do at the start of the month. Or you can ask them on our Discord... Uh, our, just to remind everyone, our, our Twitter is at VGTMTP, uh, and you can find our Discord on the Twitter and in the show notes. Uh, so, uh, we've got some questions, uh, let me see. Uh, we've got one here about the PS2 era, but I think we're gonna skip that one, because I... I'm not familiar with Mortal Kombat as a series outside of, like, osmosis stuff and, like, watching my friend play it, play, like, Mortal Kombat 3 as a kid on his PS1 without a memory card. Uh, uh, actually, Maxi, do you have any familiarity with the PS2 era of Mortal Kombat? Honestly, I never really touched Mortal Kombat. I'm not super into fighting games in general, and yeah. every time I have tried to play Mortal Kombat, I just can't get into, like, the controls and shit. Right. Yeah, uh... So, next question. Uh... Let's see. The Nintendo Cube at MattGCN asks... What other video game characters would best be operated as an extremely complex animatronic attached to a person like Goro, rather than CGI? Hmm. Like, weird... I feel like you gotta do something from, like... One of those, like... Er definitely some, like, pre-rendered era character. If, like... There was a hypothetical 90s Donkey Kong game, like, based on the arcade game. Donkey Kong should be played by an animatronic. Mm-hmm. Uh... I feel like you could get some good animatronic Dark Souls. Oh, I just thought of a good example. Uh, oh, yeah, also Dark Souls. Dark Souls, like, I think, like, my dream Dark Souls game. I'm not super into the series, but, like, this, like, dream, never gonna happen Dark Souls scenario is, like... Like, Jim Henson's cre Creature Workshop style, like, puppetry. I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, also, that did remind me. I, uh, it's a bit of an unconventional one, but, like, I feel like you could make a pretty neat, like, animatronic of GLaDOS. Uh, okay, yeah. I dig <laughs> it. Uh... Let's see. Uh, let's see. Next question. Uh, Cat Girl Hurdling Through Space at Kitty Cat Herder asks, If you could have another video game series get a movie that isn't exactly like this, but in a similar vein to this, uh, to Mortal Kombat 1995, which one would it be? It doesn't have to be from the same time. Hmm. Uh... Honestly, like, if the Street Fighter film were just, like, a tur like a martial arts movie that was, like, drew from, like, the, uh, the sort of stuff that you got with, 
you know, oh, I can't remember the name of the Bruce Lee film, but it's like Tournament of something or whatever. But like, I just think about how like Bruce Lee's films, he had like these two films that are basically video game plots, and like, you could you could take stuff and do stuff with that with Street Fighter. Uh, hmm. I'm just gonna go. You have anything about this one? I don't really know if anything comes immediately to mind besides Street Fighter. Um, Because, mm. c- again, like, this is just kind of a pretty straightforward and competent adaptation. There's yeah. no... There's no weird shit in this. Mm-hmm. So, I would like to see pretty much any video game get an adaptation like this, and I would be fine with it. Yeah. Uh, let's see... Uh, Cassidy's What is Cosplay, Cassidy asks, How do you think the plot would change if everyone were cat people? Hmm. I think they would... I think he'd have to be called Mew Kang. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Johnny Cage would make Goro go off the cliff by shining a laser pointer. Right. Hmm. Uh, Casey Cosmos asks... What or this is on Discord now. What's your finishing move in the official VGTMTP 2D fighting game? Hmm. Uh I'm thinking like some sort of Zangief style like series of suplexes. Mm-hmm. Uh maybe like uh Maybe one where I fucking bite you. Uh... Honestly, fucking bite you is a good finishing move in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got one of those Oni clubs, so I might just hit somebody really hard with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh... Let's see. Let's see. Uh... I'm not sure I can parse this one question. Uh, let's see. Let me take a look. Yeah, uh, we've got one that's like, what are your favorite Street Fighter characters and what would be their fatalities from Hornmeister? Uh, Listen, I hate, ever since watching the Street Fighter movie, I hate Guile with a burning passion, mm-hmm. but... His fatality would just be to shoot somebody with a gun, and I do think that would be funny. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I like to imagine a lot of Street Fighter characters would just shoot somebody with a gun if they could. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. I know C. Viper would. Bison would. Cammy would. Uh, Ryu would just do Akuma's super. Yeah. Because that's basically already a fatality in the deep lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't really think of anything, but oh, what if like, what if like Zangief did like a backbreaker or something? Yeah, yeah, that that's some good shit. Yeah, but oh, Blanca could like put you in a chair and then electrocute you, and it's like the electric chair. Yeah, uh, 
I don't know where he'd get the chair. I guess he'd just, like, have it. Uh, Dalsim forces you to watch uh, eight, 12 hours of horrible violence. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sidmon asks, does Mortal Kombat even, like, work as a movie? Uh, I think it does. I think it worked yeah. really well, frankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I really... Honestly, yeah, it, it was it was a pretty decent film. Like, I guess if... I guess if you wanted to get, like, super into it, like, if you wanted to do, like, the gore stuff, you'd have to give it an R rating, which... I mean, we've got lots of... A lot of movies are based... A lot of kids' movies are basically made for adults. Some adults would get really into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, I think it does a good job even without the gore. Yeah. Like, again, a man explodes twice in a row in this movie. They They make it cool as hell. And I think... Not to, like question the entire basis of Mortal Kombat as a franchise or anything. But I think something can be cool as hell, even brutal, without necessarily being gory. Right. You know? Right. So, that's all our questions. Uh, next month, I actually decided exactly what we're doing for October. Uh, we're going to be Talking about another Paul W.S. Anderson film, we're going to be talking about the original Resident Evil. Uh, and as a guest, we are getting Morgan from the subsequent movie cast, who, which previously did a series on uh, the entire uh, uh, Resident Evil series. Uh, we got them on as a guest, and I'm real excited about it. It's... Uh, the Resident Evil films are like <laughs> I they're they're like goofy action they're like very violent action films. The first one tries to be a horror film kind of but by like the second or third film it's just action. Uh also I think it is per- perhaps one of the most wife guy films ever made because Paul W.S. Anderson created an invincible, immortal, unkillable, super badass uh, warrior lady. And he he made, he had her played by his wife, Mila Jovovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, I respect it. Yeah. Hi, it's Dan. We forgot to do plugs. We gotta do those. Um, so, real quick. I'm Dan. Uh, you can find me at a lot of places, and you can find all those places at linktr.ee slash big underscore challenges. From there, you can find uh, my Twitter, at Bigger Challenge. You can find my other podcasts, which include uh, Pod of Greed, a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, uh, The Sonic Shuffle, a Sonic Lore podcast, Stranger's Fiction, an actual play podcast. And you can also visit uh, my joke Twitter at Xbox underscore holiday. Usher celebrates holidays with Xbox. Uh, 
Maxi can be found at Max Knightley on both Twitter and Tumblr. And you can also find her on Eidolon Playtest, a uh, playtest of an upcoming uh, RPG based on JoJo's Bizarre Adventures and Persona. Go listen to it. It's really, really good. Alright, that's it for now. Peace. So, uh, until next time, uh, I'm Dan. I'm Maxie. Uh, and, uh, test your might. Uh, finish him.